0: Welcome to Behind the Warrior, a podcast presented by the EOD Warrior Foundation. This series will focus on resources, interviews, and topics impacting EOD warriors, their families, and the military community at large.
1: Welcome, everyone, to Behind the Warrior podcast. This is Sherry Beck, and today I have the pleasure of talking to Sergeant First Class Jeffrey Dawson and his lovely wife, Trish. Jeff and Trish, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. Of course, absolutely. Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, I always like to start off by asking where you're from. So, Trish, I will let you go first.
2: I grew up in Alaska. My dad was in the military and he was stationed there. For a couple of years, and when he got out of the military, he decided that's where he wanted to retire, so we went back there, and uh, I spent 18 years total um, living in Alaska.
1: Wow. Did you like it there?
2: I did. I feel like I got to um, experience a lot of really neat experiences that you normally wouldn't get to, like dog sledding and ice fishing and... And I I really appreciated the time that I lived there, but I don't think I would want to live there anymore because mm-hmm. it's too cold.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there is that, right? And and the uh-huh. dark dark days.
2: Yes. The summers yeah. are beautiful, but, uh, you know, I just, I think I, I like the beach,
1: yeah. personally. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Um, <laughs> Jeff, how about you? Where did you grow up?
0: Yeah, so I was born in Utah. Uh, Colville, Utah, on Christmas Day, uh, and I lived in Utah until I was about 17 years old. Uh, I was midway through my junior year when I moved out to Indiana with my with my dad. I uh, graduated, <coughs> sorry, graduated high school up there, and uh, uh, shortly after, uh, I moved back my mom's and started working in a mine, uh, which I really enjoyed, but they weren't hiring me out full time. So I decided to, you know, call it quits there. And I, I started working in a a warehouse out in Reno. (coughs) Sorry. That's okay. Uh, I started working out in a, a warehouse out in Reno and, uh, you know, I, the people that I was working there with, uh, were so disgruntled, you know, and I constantly heard, you know, things like, "I've been working at this warehouse for forty years, and this is this is the worst warehouse I've ever worked at." And you know, I just thought to myself, like, I don't want to be that that guy that's you know disgruntled at the end of his life, you know, hasn't accomplished anything, uh, you know. So I started, you know, looking into di- different uh, options, and one of the dudes that I started working. Uh, with at a different uh, warehouse, he said that he was joining the army. So I went. And I got the number for his recruiter, uh, and I went and took the ASVAB. And I was at the time I was hanging out with uh, a couple, a couple buddies, a few, a few buddies of mine that were previously in the Marine Corps. Uh, so once I took the ASFAB I got my my score and my proposed jobs. Uh, and so I went and took that list back to my Marine Corps buddies and, you know, went over the list with them, you know, cause a lot of the jobs are the same in, uh, different services. So they saw that I had EOD, uh, on, on my list and they're like, Hey, you can go to EOD school, like off the streets. And, uh, I say, yeah. So, um, they're like, yeah, I would do that. <laughs> all, all three of them, <laughs> you know, like I would definitely do that. Mm-hmm. So uh I talked to him a little bit about it and uh kinda decided that's what I wanted to do and uh then I went and talked to the recruiter again and said, Hey, I wanna be A O D and so he put me up for it.
1: Wow. Yeah. So from Utah to Indianapolis
0: well Southern Indiana. Southern
1: Indiana, I'm sorry, yeah, Southern Indiana, and then into the military, and you chose EOD. And did mm-hmm. you know what you were did you know what you were getting into? <laughs> uh, I
0: did be, uh, because my buddies were pretty descriptive about what the job kind of uh, entailed, but um, I didn't know that it was going to be one of the hardest jobs in the military. You know, mm-hmm. the school, one of the hardest schools to get through in the military. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I kind of, like, uh, enjoyed that aspect of it because it challenged me, you mm-hmm. know?
1: Right. Right. Well, cool. Well, um, Trish, I'd love for you to tell the story of, of how you and Jeff met.
2: Um, So we kind of met through a mutual friend, a mutual friend. Uh, we had gone, well, I had gone and I was looking for a salsa partner pretty much. I mean, to make a long story short. (laughs) Um, And uh, I happened to meet Jeff out one night and we were talking about salsa dancing. And he was talking about how he liked to play the drums and, you know, how he was into salsa music because of the drums. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. I just kind of felt at that point that if I didn't do something, I'd probably never see this guy again. So I actually um, asked somebody to pass my number to him and, and I always say that I found him mm-hmm. and he argues with me, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I knew that if I just, if I, cause I wasn't normally somebody that would be so bold to, you know, be like, Hey, you want my number? Right. But, so the guy that she was with, he like took her out on a date though.
0: Well, uh, it was kind of like they were out on a date. Well, it was <laughs> he, he was getting ready to move to Alaska though, so it wasn't mm-hmm. like a like they were a, a thing though. She was. No. You know.
2: But what was funny though is when the guy came out to get me, he didn't have a vehicle, and so he. It was before Uber's were a thing. And so he came out in a taxi and he got lost. So by the time he picked me up and we got to the bar that we were going to go to, he had a $150 taxi fare.
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: And so the reason why Jeff and I kind of got to talk more was because he offered to give us rides home that night so he wouldn't have to pay for a taxi. (laughs) Yeah, so
0: I, I drove them all the way out to where she was living at the time, which was a pretty decent drive.
2: The and, then 30 dro- minutes.
0: and then I drove all the way back to base to drop this dude off, and then I had to go all the way back up to like North, like Sanford, Buffalo Lakes area to drop my or to my buddy's house, yeah. and that's where I stayed.
1: Because Jeff
2: was the designated driver that I night.
0: Was.
1: Oh, okay. Well, look <laughs> yeah. there, it all worked out. It did. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Trish, um, I obviously growing up as a military child, you knew what what that life was like. But did you have any idea what what explosive ordnance disposal was at the time?
2: No, I didn't um, at all. Um, I was previously married to an infantryman, and so I really only knew. About that, you know, I don't know, I just, I felt very limited on my knowledge, I guess, of what there was out there in the military,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and when I met him, you know, he he talked about what he did, and sometimes I would mention it to somebody, and they would be like, oh, EOD, ooh, and I'm like, ooh, what do you mean, <laughs> you know, like, why is that so ooh, and, you know, he explained to me that he had the safest job in the military, one, one, of, one the- of the safest <laughs> jobs in the military, And, um, so, you know, of course I believed him, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. That's (laughs) only because we have, we have
0: huge trucks, we have robots, we have all these tools at our disposal to, to be able to attack something remotely. So, and by that aspect, it it is one of the safer jobs, I I would say, but Mm -hmm. also we're very, we're very well trained.
1: Right, you know, right, yeah, highly trained, yes, very true, um, well, Jeff, you enlisted in the Army in two thousand eight, and then, in two thousand ten, you graduated e o d school, and your first deployment was in two thousand eleven um, as the years progressed in thirteen, you were on a deployment and were injured um, what um what happened there um and also um, you did not return stateside because of your efforts during this deployment um tell me about 2013 and then what what that distinguished service cross means to you
0: uh so in in 13 we went and hit a remote compound in uh Kandahar Afghanistan and It was honestly supposed to be, I mean, uh, it was a low threat, uh, before we went out. So, I mean, it just, it was supposed to be an easy target, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyways, we get on, uh, we, we land, uh, we were kind of split, uh, split up on the, uh, on, uh, when we got to target, um, so half of us went and chased the guy and half of them went to the, uh, to the compound. So I was, uh, with the, with the person, uh, about 300 meters North of the compound. So, um, detonation started going off at of the compound and I had no idea what was going on. So I was trying to figure out what, what, what was going on with the, uh, uh, on the radio, but, uh, I was, you know, pretty unsuccessful at that. So still kind of in the dark, I told the uh, platoon sergeant that we needed to get that dude and get back to the compound because I was the only EOD guy on the ground. Uh, so we got close to the guy and the K9 jumped on him and he blew himself up. And so uh, it killed the dog. Um, but I was about 15 feet away from from that. And I got a fragmentation wound on the inside of my left thigh. Um after that uh we you know we got the remains from the dog and uh decided to move back to the compounds
3: mm-hmm.
0: um so once I got back to the compounds uh I started clearing two casualties um and kind of <laughs> realized that we were in the middle of an i e mm-hmm.
3: um
0: so I started clearing to casualties, uh, you know, getting to the casualty collection point. I cleared a route out uh, to the HLZ um, so we could safely, you know, get people out uh, on the medevac platform. Mm-hmm. Um, on my way back in from clearing the HLZ, uh, the dog handler uh Stepped on a pressure plate about five feet from me. Uh, he he lost his uh, his legs, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. Um, I received uh, some fragmentation wounds to my uh, left side, uh, ruptured eardrum on my left side, and a, a concussion. Uh, so, I asked the platoon sergeant if I was fine. He said, "Are." can you breathe? I said, yeah. So, uh, he told me to go, uh, help with the, the dog handler with, uh, the medic. So I got to Josh, I got to, uh, the dog handler and, uh, started putting tourniquets on his legs
3: mm-hmm. and the
0: tourniquet that I grabbed off of his kit when I was tightening it, it broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I transitioned uh to putting pressure on his femorals and the the medic puts uh tourniquets on both of his legs and then that's when I uh the PJ came over and and, and took over mm-hmm. uh help him help him package him up and uh after that I started I started clearing to some, some more casualties and I found a bunch of IDs and the platoon sergeant told me to or I uncovered a bunch of wires um, Like right where we were standing and The platoon sergeant asked if that was an ID and I said I don't think so uh, So and then at that point he told me to stop Digging stop looking for stuff, you know, I'd already been blown up twice that night QRF was almost there they had two fresh EOD techs coming in and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what he told me to take a knee essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right about that time, I, I remember a QRF was coming in and, uh, so I, uh, I started talking with my platoon sergeant and the other EOD tech that was on the ground, uh, and telling them what I had, was, what I had done. Uh, so they kind of cleared my same route routes out, but they cleared it in on each side, making it a little bit wider. And, uh, and I started, uh, then I kind of tra- uh, handed over the scene to the platoon sergeant, Uh, and I started clearing, uh, blocking positions. So mm-hmm. I cleared one of the BPs, I uh, got them all back to the, uh, exfil, area and uh that was when they told me to get over there and so i could get looked at by the medic so you know they cut my shirt all up and uh i was pretty i was a lot (laughs) worse i was a lot worse than i thought i was Mm -hmm. you
3: know
0: i i was worse than i thought i was Mm
3: -hmm.
0: so uh they told me I was going to leave on the next medevac because they had two more EOD techs. I, I fought them for a little bit about that, uh, but he said that was non-negotiable that I was leaving. So uh, I ended up being part of the litter team that car- uh, carried the dog handler back to the the medevac bird, and then we got uh, taken off out of there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a pretty terrible night.
1: Yeah, yeah, well...
0: <laughs> there was a... Uh, sorry, back at the compound, the detonations that had gone off were our friendly uh, counterparts, or our friendly soldiers, like, stepping on IEDs. Mm. Um, four of them were uh, were killed that night, mm. and that was... That was <laughs> hard on all of us you know that was unfortunately like the the first time i'd seen a dead body in combat and uh unfortunately it was uh, it was an american Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. four of them
3: so Hmm.
0: it definitely uh weighed pretty heavily on me
1: yeah of
0: course um you know i'm very Uh, thankful to you know still be here uh after after that night and uh you know i'm thankful that the rangers um appreciated you know the 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 training and expertise that we had out out on the battlefield that night Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. honestly the the award that they gave me uh I would give it back in a heartbeat to to not have to have gone through that. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah,
0: um, but it is an honor uh,
1: Well, thank you yeah. for sharing that, Jeff. Um, you know, uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, well after after that deployment, and you continued your service. Um, in 2019, you you were injured once again, and this time it was it was very different. And what what was going through your mind as you were being medevaced out at that time, Jeff?
0: Um. So, <clears throat> the, uh, as I was being medevaced, I I wasn't really conscious. Uh, the were, really uh did a pretty good job keeping me sedated
3: uh-huh.
0: um but you know it the 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 biggest thing was like almost immediately after i got shot uh was uh the conversation that i had with my medic and the other teammates that we had and it was funny
3: mm-hmm. <coughs>
0: because I had no idea what was going on. And, you know, I told my medic, like, hey, man, I think I got shot. And he was like, what do you mean you think you got shot? Like, you would know. Uh, mm. And I said, man, I can't feel my legs.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so
0: he's like, oh, shoot, can you climb out of that ditch? And I said, no. They're like, all right, hold on a second, we'll come get you. So they came and grabbed me, pulled me up. And uh, I could obviously couldn't move my legs. Um, But... uh. They they kind of you know laid me down and started working on me and the the team the assist the, the team leader that was out there with me uh, he was like oh man I was just starting to like you too you know and just uh, cracking jokes <laughs> from the very beginning so that that was kind of just like it 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 stayed like that <laughs> mm-hmm. for the rest of the time and it was just I feel like that really helped me uh, like my sense of humor and my mentality that really uh, through that whole thing really really helped. Uh, me stay positive
1: mm-hmm.
0: for my recovery.
1: Yeah. Well, I um, I'm going to back up for just a second, and I meant to ask this question before the one that I just asked you, but um, or or talk to you guys about it. So I think it was 2019 when you and. Trish and I were together for um, a songwriting with soldiers retreat that was held at Boulder Crest, Arizona. And we met at that retreat and it was, it was so cool to finally meet you Jeff after um, several years of being in contact sporadically, you know, and certainly meeting Trish and everything. And during that retreat um, you guys, you know, were able to connect for in a different way, um, but also spend some time together before your next deployment, which was later that summer. Um, so, Trish, when you got word that Jeff was hurt, um, I, can, I can't I can even imagine what could have been going through your mind. Probably a whole lot more questions than you had answers for at the time. But um, what, What were you thinking?
2: (laughs) Um, gosh, I I mean, getting off the phone with him, I mean, I just, I guess the biggest thing that I didn't know for sure is if I was going to see him again. Mm -hmm. Um... But at the same time, I I didn't really know either, you know, how severe everything was, too, because it was just a a short conversation that him and I had. And uh, so I just, I called my best friend and I just started pacing and talking to her and, you know, just waiting to kind of figure out what was going to be the next step.
0: So in that conversation... Uh, with her, I wasn't very descriptive on how bad it was, but I told her it was way worse than last time.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So I really didn't, I didn't know how bad it was until the next day, um, when the surgeon was calling me and asking me if it was okay for him to proceed with, you know, procedures and. um I think that was when it really kind of set in and I was really scared.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, I remember getting a text from you.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I feel like you were probably the second person that I contacted. Um I feel like the Being able to go to that retreat before It was like I automatically Went to that song And mm-hmm. that is really What gave me a lot of comfort that night mm-hmm. um, Just thinking about You know how I had to be strong For him And I don't know that I think that everything kind of happens for a reason And it was definitely meant to be For us to meet you <laughs> hmm. Before everything happened.
1: Yeah. Um, well, if you were being told um, by the doctors that, you know, Jeff was having multiple surgeries or you were giving permission for that, um, I can only imagine, you know, things running through your mind of just how how severe it was. So, um, I'm glad that we certainly made that connection with one another at that retreat, but also that you have that song um, that you and Jeff wrote together forever mm-hmm. and what what's the name of the song Trish Gibraltar Gibraltar yeah yeah, which it's beautiful um, yeah so um, I'm glad I'm glad that it helped get you through and um, I know it was it was a long long wait, um, for Jeff to leave Germany to get back stateside, um, just for stabilization purposes and everything. But, um, Jeff, your sense of humor certainly got you through a really difficult time, but how, how long were you actually in Germany? And, um, I understand you had, you had surgery there, but tell me, tell me the next steps.
0: So, I was in Germany for about eight days. I uh, I was going to... They were going to send me back on the next medevac bird, I think, it was they fly out on... Uh, well, I'm not really sure, but they fly out once a week. Um, and it came, it came to that day, and my fever started going up because... All the antibiotics I was taking because I had E. coli and all this stuff because of the chest tubes mm-hmm. uh, that I got. My fever spiked, and they said, hey, you're not going to fly out today, uh, which made things worse, you know, for Trish back home, honestly. Because yeah. they're like, hey, your husband's going to be here today. And it was like, oh, just kidding. Mm-hmm. Things got worse, and he's not flying now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh so yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Well. I, so I was in Germany for about eight days. Uh, my fever came back down. Uh I was oh man. I was in so much pain mm. I remember it. I was so miserable. Like once once everything set in mm-hmm. And i I just hurt everywhere
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, yeah but i don't I don't know mm-hmm. well, um they did the mm-hmm. so they did this the surgery on my spine uh in Germany, and that's where the doctor was calling uh, Trish from and then uh uh, I, I flew into uh, Andrews uh, Air Base, mm-hmm. um, and then I was transported to Walter Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at, at Walter Reed, they did the uh, um. They put the hardware in my clavicle because there was a a really substantial. Uh, break in my clavicle Because the, the bullet impacted That's the first thing that, that it hit mm-hmm. And uh, smashed that thing Into a million pieces So I got a plate with nine screws In my collarbone And uh, uh, I don't know They About two weeks after they Took the bullet out Or something like that
3: Because
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah. it was starting to get Infected Mm-hmm. I try, I was trying to tell them to take it out uh, initially but they wouldn't uh, they said oh maybe it'll work itself out I'm like it's not working its way out yeah so they finally cut it open and uh but it was so infected in there that they had to leave it open and let it drain mhm so that
1: sucked yeah but, for sure um how long were you able yeah. to read how long was your... What's that? I said, how long were you actually at Walter Reed?
0: Uh, I was at Walter Reed about a month. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and about two and a half weeks after the incident, um, I ended up uh, having like a, an autonomic dysreflexia episode um, when they were trying to get me up for PT um and my uh my blood pressure dropped to like 70 over 35 mm-hmm. my heart rate uh jumped up to like 140 um i lost a couple degrees of body temperature and i was in, i was in pretty bad shape they had that crash cart out in the hallway um so they they figured out what it was they they uh fixed it fixed it mm-hmm. uh so Uh, I was all right, but, uh, I found out, like, I figured it out that it was the opiates that they were giving me were like backing me up because I had so much trauma in my abdomen and my chest that it was just putting too much pressure on my organs, I think. Uh, so, uh, I, I figured, I, I figured it was the opiates and, uh, I said, Hey, um, you know, Stop giving me stop giving me opiates, give me uh, ketamine. And they said, We're not giving you ketamine. I was like, Well give me Tylenol then. And uh, so like literally since two and a half weeks after I got shot, I've been taking Tylenol for pain. And that's it.
1: Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Well um Trish, what was what Type of you know services and such were available to you as somebody that was you know um, by Jeff's side through the whole recovery and and rehabilitation process. Were you did you feel um, were you able to meet other other spouses or what was what was this what gave you strength through that time?
2: Um, it was overwhelming. Um, the response that we got from people the minute that it happened. I mean, it was just phone calls and, you know, mill trains for my family that were here. And, um, you know, just, there were so many people that reached out to us that helped us. And when we were there, um, so many people came by, um, you know, just to see us. And along the way I have definitely um, built some really good friendships with people and it, it kind of forced me out of my shell because I'm kind of an introverted person and I'm not, I, I get real intimidated by people sometimes. And so I had to really work through that because I mean, there were just so many people that were introducing themselves to me and and talking to me. And so with that, I definitely have gained some really good friendships and that, you know, I I know that will last, you know, for the remainder of Jeff and I's life, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's just a bond with people that, you know, have gone through some of the same things that you've gone through and even... Even so, you you can never really understand, you know, what somebody's going through unless you've gone through it. And so, mm-hmm. um, there was just I don't know. I wouldn't have been able to get through all of that without all of that support from so many different people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. It's good when people rally around each other when there's you know in a difficult time it's it's important as human beings to care for one another so I'm, and I'm, the e
2: o d community mm-hmm. is very very tight and very good mm-hmm. with you know looking out for each other and 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 making sure that they're okay and their families are okay. so I've definitely felt like I've been accepted into a big family,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Well, you are definitely part of the EOD family. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> and we're happy to have you. Um, okay. Well, from... So, Trish, you can you can answer this question if you'd like. So, spending time at Walter Reed was, I'm sure, a very different experience, but you had the ability to travel back home to North Carolina or or family was able to see you and what have you because it was in fairly decent driving distance, but... Shortly after um, Jeff had the surgery to have the bullet removed and that sort of thing, then you guys made the transition to James A. Haley in Tampa. So what? tell me what that experience was like and, and how was that different and in his stage of recovery?
2: Um, <clears throat> I think Tampa was a, a great decision. Um, that Jeff made with, uh, the care that he received there. Um, it was, uh, I think Jeff got there like a day before I did because I, he had flown and I had driven home to check on the house and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of pack up my new life to, to go to Florida. And, um, it, I mean, it was just The minute that he got there, it was like he was just on a mission to do everything that he could to walk, you know, I mean, and to be in this power chair for as little as time possible. And I mean, it was just every day getting up in the morning and going to different therapies. And I mean, we really had a good time. (laughs) through all of it which you know is i think the reason why jeff has just done so well because you know there was times that we were laughing and we met some really cool people some you know other people that had spinal cord injuries that just were you know great people Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and we just we did we we had a lot of fun and they have different different things that you know for them to do while they're there, you know, we had arts and crafts and we just, we just had a really good time while he was just busting his ass to mm-hmm. get better. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, that was like the main focus was just, you know, every day was what can Jeff do to, to do better? What can he do to, you know, be stronger and then go in and show his therapist, hey, look what I can do now, you know? hmm so, I mean, it was just we we did, we
1: had a really good time. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And I remember coming to see you. Mike and I came to see you guys and uh you you had a bingo date that evening. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um and it's it's cool that you kind of built a new community right there as as Jeff was going through rehabilitation. I mean, spinal cord injuries <laughs> and the prognosis at that time for Jeff, um you know, my understanding was that it it may have been a possibility that he would never walk again, and um, I've always admired the positivity that that you and Jeff have both exuded in, in this process. So, um, thank you for sharing that, Trish.
2: Absolutely, I don't think Jeff was going to accept that answer.
0: Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean. At some point, like, it could not have been my choice at all. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. I started moving my toe about a week afterwards, and uh, that was it.
2: Mm -hmm. I think that was probably one... I mean, there were many emotional moments that we had but that moment when he moved his toe i think was like <laughs> one of the best feelings that we had had in a long time
3: oh, and <laughs> like it was we just kind of my leg
2: oh it was, yeah it was when you're moving your leg and we just mm-hmm. like sat there and cried you know because it was like hope that yeah. you know things were going to get better yeah and it was just always those moments i think that just kept us going and you know i i try to think how I would be if I was in that situation and you know I don't think I would have thrived as well because I don't have that personality and and Jeff just you know the more he talked to people the you know I feel like the better he felt and the more positive that he stayed and so I just I really admired that in him and I definitely think that that's kind of the way to go yeah
1: yeah well, when you say you moved your your toe a week after, that was after you got to James Haley, Jeff, or no?
2: That was when we were at Walter Reed. It
1: was. Okay.
2: He was he was moving pretty good,
1: mm-hmm.
2: a lot better. When
0: so I was moving. I started moving my toe about a week after mm-hmm. um, I left Big Toe, mm-hmm. and about two and a half, two weeks and some change. I started, I was able to like move my left leg back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can send you that video.
1: Okay. I'd love to see it. But, yeah. Um, uh,
0: and at the very end, you can see it pans up and you can see Trish has this huge smile on her face. <laughs>
1: Aw. <laughs> awesome. Aw. Um, well, Jeff, what what motivated you? I mean, what, what gave you the fortitude to say, this is not, if i if i can do something about it i'm going to do something cuz you just mentioned that you know at some point there might have been a, a a moment where it wasn't up to you really you know whether you were going to walk again or not it, it might not have been your decision and but what what motivated you once you actually had the movement in your toe and then in your leg
0: so i mean once uh that there uh that I found that there was movement, I, I just really I was on a mission <laughs> at mm-hmm. that point. You know, like to get as good as to be able to move as much as I could, you know. So I mean I was even in, in uh physical therapy and Walter Reed, you know, they were put they were getting me up into a standing frame in Walter Reed. Um, it was a little bit different because they they didn't have like the tools uh that they had it the v a uh to kind of transport me they're like transporting me in, into a manual chair and then they just pushed me to where they were going uh versus you know like getting me to sit up or like uh i mean they just they were just trying to get me the pt you
3: know
1: mm-hmm. yeah sure
0: but it was it was really really hard mhm i mean starting over as uh a newborn essentially as a mm-hmm. grown man mhm you know like the, everything below like from my chest down is started everything starting over yeah i have to re, after re- relearn everything
1: mhm you know yeah and and you have, which is
0: well, for have. the most part, yeah, 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 there's still a lot of stuff that um i I still have a long way to go,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, one day at a time, <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah i I've come so far,
1: <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah you know,
3: yeah,
0: and it's not uh, um I don't know. I'm determined. I'm, okay. I'm extremely determined right. uh, to keep continue to get better and continue to push myself.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so, well, you have a you have a favorite quote. Can you can you <laughs> recite that quote?
0: Uh, so, yeah. There's a. Do you want me to explain it?
1: Sure. If you'd like to, sure. Yeah.
0: Okay. So there was a book that was written, uh, called for love of country. Um, that the cha- one of the chapters in that book kind of is a overview of what happened in 2013. Um, so it says my name actually in that book and, uh, it talks, only. I mean, it talks about everything. So, uh, at the end of that chapter, on the page, the bottom of the page, I wrote this quote uh, that I I feel like I, <laughs> I came up with, I guess, but I just I just wrote in there to to never let or to not let your mind be a limiting factor to what you can achieve. Um, mm-hmm. Like never let your mind be a limiting factor for what you can achieve, you know, because your your body's way more capable. Uh, than you think it is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Way
0: more capable.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what what are you currently, I guess, doing in reference to rehabilitation? I saw a video on Facebook of you playing golf. So, what is your, you know, um, what do you do on a daily basis to continue your rehabilitation?
0: So I, I typically go to, uh, two physical therapy sessions a week. Uh, I, I would like to go more. Uh, I was going twice a week for my shoulder as well. And, uh, once somewhere, once a week somewhere else. Um, but, uh, I'm just waiting on, uh, more appointments. Uh, so anyways,
3: um,
0: so, in the physical therapy up in Sanford, I, I go into the pool. Uh, they have a treadmill pool. Um, so, I've gotten up to, uh, let's see, this last this last time we walked for, I think, five minutes with the jets on. And then uh, we ran for three minutes with the jets on. And then walked for... A minute with the jets off And then I think we ran for three minutes Or I I got a minute to a minute and a half Before she stopped it Because she saw I was getting tired
1: Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah But
1: It's phenomenal
0: It felt great though You know Uh Yeah It feels great to be in there running Even though it sucks And I'm breathing (laughs) heavy And I'm sweating (laughs) inside of a pool Well, out of my face, yeah. but it's all, it feels great.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, well, you are both so inspirational. Um, I will tell you that when I saw you both at the EOD Memorial weekend this year, um, it was incredibly moving, um, not only for me and my husband, but for so many people that interacted with both of you. And um, it was it was just great having you um, both attend. And Trish, is this your was this your first time coming to a memorial ceremony? And no,
2: that was our third time. A
1: third, okay, all right, yeah, okay. Um, well, probably the first time you wore a Hawaiian dress, right? <laughs> First time, what? You wore a Hawaiian dress. Oh,
3: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah,
2: for sure. I was a big fan, though. I think that was a lot of fun. It was awesome.
1: Yeah, it was. It was very lighthearted and and not quite so formal, for sure. But um, anyway, Um, well, it was great to see you both dancing together. It might not have been the salsa uh, dancing, but it was uh, it was awesome to see you both together. We had
2: a we had a wonderful time.
1: Good, good, awesome. Um, well, Jeff, I understand you are going through the medical board process right now. So, um, what what does the future hold for you? And do you have any goals in mind? <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, so uh, I would like to go back to school um, to be a physical therapist. I feel like go, uh, going through this process, I have learned so much about myself and my body, and a lot of other cool stuff. Uh, and I, I just think that it would be it would be cool to do something like that and kind of kind of give back
1: mm-hmm. and
0: give hope, I guess, uh, for people that may be in the same situation as me.
1: Right. Right. Um, do you and Trish, do you and Jeff have any big plans for the future?
2: I mean, uh, I think that sometime soon we might end up in Tennessee and um, get some land and maybe have some chickens and, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. have the grandkids out for the summer and just kind of, you know, in. Mean, I'm looking
1: at the enjoyment part of life. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds wonderful. Tennessee is is beautiful. And um, it's a nice place. Nice place to have have chickens and all kinds of farm animals and, yeah, you know, all that good <laughs> stuff. You can be um, self-sustaining. That's what you could do. Yeah. <laughs> well, awesome. Um, Jeff, do you have any words of wisdom for your fellow EOD brothers and sisters, whether they're uh, you know been active duty for a long time Retired or even even Our new graduates out there
0: I don't know I would say in the morning When you wake up Tell yourself you're going to learn something new Every day mm-hmm. Like if you don't learn something new every day Then it's a, a day wasted
3: mm-hmm.
0: Continually try to learn Something uh, Continually try to strive To push yourself Outside of your comfort zone uh um try try not to be stagnant or idle uh, as little as possible uh just keep your mind busy mm-hmm.
1: you know yeah good continue to
0: be be a better person than you were yesterday as well <laughs> you know
1: mm-hmm
0: you know, continue to push yourself and be better.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: I feel like that's a mentality I've had since I've, I've been a little, a boy, you know, I, I would pick up hobbies and I, I would try to be the best I could at, at everything I did.
1: Cool. So Very cool. Trish, how about any words of, of advice or, um, Wisdom for EOD spouses and caregivers out there um, listening.
2: Um, I mean, you just have, I think the biggest thing is to be positive and be patient. And that's probably one of the hardest things, you know, I've had to go through. Mm -hmm. And I think you just have to stay positive and just be there for each other.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Um, Well, I appreciate both of you being on with me today. Um, And before we go, I always like to do something a little bit more lighthearted, which is um, tell tell us about your favorites. And so Trish, I'm going to start with you and um, tell me what your favorite season of the year is.
2: Um my favorite season is definitely summer. I'm definitely I feel like I have a lot more energy in the summertime. Um and my favorite thing to do is to sit outside and be surrounded by flowers and garden. I love to garden and plant things and watch them grow and um so I definitely love summertime.
1: Mm-hmm. Cool. What about your favorite way to unwind?
2: That's definitely my favorite. I mean, I I, like every night going and watering my plants and counting my tomatoes that are growing. And (laughs) I just I love growing things and seeing things uh, do better because I'm not the greatest at it. And it's taken me some years to to figure out what works and what doesn't. But I'm definitely getting better at having a green thumb. So that's how I like to unwind.
1: That's really cool. That's really cool. How about um your favorite book to read to your grandchildren?
2: <laughs> um the Wonky Donkey. The Wonky I think it's probably donkey. I think that was probably the first book I I bought for them uh-huh. was the Wonky Donkey which That's I don't cool. know if you've ever heard of that book, but it's really cute. I have and not. Definitely check it out.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I
2: think the first time I saw it was on on Facebook, and there's this grandma that reads it. So you should listen to that recording of the grandma reading it because she just does it awesome. So I had to go get a <laughs> copy
1: of the book. That's awesome. Very cool. And how many grandchildren do you have? Four. Four. Wow. That's awesome. What Four a blessing. Grand- yeah. All boys.
2: Four they're four baby boys.
1: Oh. So cute. <laughs>
2: they're the best. I love it. Yeah.
1: It's awesome. Well, Jeff, you are up next. So tell me what your favorite style of music is. So <laughs> so
0: <laughs> uh lately I've been on this uh, August Burns Red Kick. I don't I don't know why, uh, but they have this Christmas album that I just can't get enough of. Apparently, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Christmas in May all, all year long.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I, have, I was born on Christmas, you know, like, yeah. but I've never been a fan of Christmas music. It's just never been my tempo,
3: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> you know. But then, if there's heavy metal Christmas, then I'm cool with it, you know. So, I. I you know, I found my love for Christmas music through uh, a Christian metalcore band. So
1: that's pretty cool. Nothing wrong with that. But,
0: uh, I would say, like, I grew up playing drums. So I would say anything more like technical, uh, uh drumming, I mean, they have to have a good drummer. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I kind of gravitate towards. So, mm-hmm.
1: did you, um, did you like Neil Pert from Rush?
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: My son too.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, he was he was definitely he's he kind of set the set the bar high for, for Yeah, everybody. he really did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was amazing. He so was.
0: I was a huge, huge Neil Pert fan. Um there's a there's a, <laughs> a couple other ones out there. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, all kinds of all different styles of music. Just um there uh j- like uh fusion jazz trios, uh, uh those are really cool to listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh I like jazz music, I like Latin music, like Trish said uh earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. all those because like I, I, I can enjoy uh musicianship.
1: Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I think um I think the drums any sort of percussion I really love and but the drums are one of my favorite instruments um and that is where I always feel the beat no matter what, you know? And uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I like it. I like it a lot. Um what is your favorite movie?
0: What is my favorite movie?
2: The cringe. <laughs>
0: I do like the Grinch, but I would say it probably has to be Dumb and Dumber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was a huge or Jim Carrey fan. Ace, Ace <laughs> or, or Ace Ventura. Okay. A detective. Yeah.
1: <laughs> he knows all words. Does he really? Many. You have a favorite quote Me? from that movie, Jeff?
2: A lot of them. Mm-hmm. I, mean, so I do
1: <laughs> Too many, huh? <laughs> <that> dude. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Before a movie quote comes out.
1: <laughs> mm hmm. All right, and what about your favorite food to eat?
0: I mean, I feel like I cook a pretty mean steak. Mm.
1: What type of you steak know? do you like?
0: Uh, I like ribeyes, mm-hmm. but flays, obviously. He makes a really
2: good steak and a really good smoked salmon.
1: Ooh. Yeah,
0: a pretty decent smoked salmon.
1: Nice, that sounds delicious.
0: But my grill's down right now, so I need to fix the auger. Mm -hmm. but I need to figure out how to do that first, (laughs) but we'll get there.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I definitely need to fix it for the summer. So, yeah.
1: Mm Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, again, thank you both very much for taking the time to chat with me, um, and sharing your story and the journey from, um, you know, from the very beginning. And, uh, I, I think our listeners will appreciate all that you've shared and, you know, you guys are just incredible. And, um, I think the world of both of you.
2: Thank you. I think the world of you
1: too, Sherry. All right. Well, you guys have a wonderful weekend and I hope to see you soon.
3: Yes. Awesome.
1: (laughs) Thank Thank you. you. All right. bye -bye. Bye Bye-bye.
3: Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to our Behind the Warrior podcast.
0: This series is provided to you by the EOD Warrior Foundation. To learn more, please visit us on Facebook or at EODWarriorFoundation.org. And don't forget
3: to tell a friend.